0: I'm Kurt Benkert, and this is Pocket Presence, powered by Sleeper. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Pocket Presence. And we have a guy that I'm going to use a cheesy intro for that had really good Pocket Presence in his playing days. Kurt Warner has joined us, and I was a huge fan growing up. Um, I'm a lot younger than you, but I am 28 now. How old are you, Kurt?
1: I am 52 now.
0: 52. 52. Yeah. I love it. Well, man, you did it for a long time at a really high level. And like I said, I was a huge fan. This is Tyler, our co-host. You guys just met right before the show, but we're going through the draft process now. And it's obviously a really weird process, especially for guys like us that spend most of our time watching NFL film all year long to have to turn like a quick, hard, sharp left turn and go watch college film. Um, That's kind of where this invite to the show kind of started. So um definitely want to touch on some of that as we go through this but we want to get to a little bit of your background for people that do not know a lot of people do know who you are but they might not know how you got to where you are um so we want to talk a little bit about that played in the afl for the iowa barnstormers and then in europe with amsterdam then somewhere in between cumulative there back and forth 12 seasons in the nfl rams and cardinals nfl hall of fame class of 2017 which is insane. Congratulations, like congratulations Two MVPs, one Super Bowl MVP and had a really cool story to get to where you are. I guess where I want to start with this is one question I really like to ask is where did you realize or when did you realize that like, no, I can do this? Because I think that's a question that I get asked a lot. Yeah. And I don't really know my like, I don't really have a good answer for me. And so I'm like, do you have an answer for when You're like, no, like I can do this regardless of what the path is telling me I can do.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's ironic you say you're 28 years old. I started my first game in the NFL when I was 28 years old. And so the journey is very different than than most people. Um, You know, the funny thing is, obviously, you know, to, to get where we've gotten and even to play in the NFL, you've got to have great confidence in who you are and what you're capable of doing. Um, You know, but something that my my family, my my wife's got kind of a crazy story. I've got a son who was injured and has overcome a lot throughout his life. Uh, You know, we always have a saying that we never let our circumstances define us. I think so often in life, uh, you know, whether you're on a path to play football or or sports or or something else, you know, we find ourselves in places we don't really want to be, places that we never expected to be. And we too often allow that to define us. And so, so many people wanted to define me by my circumstances. You know, sat on the bench for four years in college. Well, come on. You sit on the bench in college, there's no way you can play in the NFL. You know, you you work in a grocery store, uh, you know, after being cut by an NFL team. And it's like, okay, nobody goes from a grocery store back to the, like, that doesn't happen. Um, You know, and then, you know, different things that happen throughout, you know, my journey after that. And so, so many people want to focus on those things, the bench. Uh, you know, playing arena football in a grocery store. Whereas for me, Kurt, it was always, all I focused on was when I had a ball in my hands, was there ever a time that somebody could show me I wasn't successful? So I played one year in college and I was the player of the year in, in our conference that one year. You know, I played three years in arena football, went to two championship games. I was the best quarterback in the league during my time there, the same over in Europe. And so when everybody else was looking at the circumstances and and what they didn't see, all I was looking at was, okay, when this ball is in my hands and I'm between those lines, nobody's ever been able to show me that I can't be successful. And so more than anything, that's what kept me going, is that I didn't want to be the 52-year-old guy that was watching an NFL game on Sunday going, (laughs) you know what, that could have been me. You know, that should have been me. I needed somebody, or maybe more importantly, I needed to show myself one way or another are you good enough or are you not? I, you know, I don't yeah. want to just speculate. I, I don't want to just say, well, you never got the opportunity, so you must not have been good enough. And so that's what kept me going. Um, that's what kept me believing, because again, nobody could show me when I wasn't successful. And, you know, more than anything, I just, I needed that closure. If I had gotten yeah. my second chance with the Rams and I had failed, I could have walked away and going, you know what? You know, obviously I got a couple opportunities and it didn't work out. I, I must not have been good enough to play at that level but I didn't want to just sit back and go gosh could I or couldn't I for the rest of yeah. my life I didn't want to be that and so that's what kept pushing me I was fortunate too like you know I'm so glad that they have the UFL now or you know the XFL and USFL the last couple, because I had a chance to play somewhere you yeah. know even though it was arena football I was able to pay the bills I was able to play football um you know, I joke all the time. Obviously, you got a little background with the Packers. Um, yeah. But, you know, I was with the Packers in 94, uh, you know, when I first came out of college and then got cut. And they had yep. Favre and Brunel and Detmer. I mean, they have a pretty good quarterback room. But, you know, I joke with people all the time that from the time I was in camp in 1994 until the day I retired from the National Football League in 2009, Brett Favre did not miss a single start in the National Football yep. League. And, and that entire time, he did not miss a single start. So
0: say it louder for the people uh, in the back. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's,
1: it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah. to even think about, but so I, I think to myself, had I made the Packers the first time around, all I would have done is sat on the bench. You know, I would have played in maybe a couple preseason games, but I got to go and play, you know, three years of arena football in a year over a year. I played more football than any yeah. backup quarterback in the history of time. And maybe more than most starters did. So I got four years of playing football and honing my craft, and getting better, and experiencing things that I didn't get to experience in college because I sat on the bench for four years. So when I got my second opportunity, right, everybody still sees well, arena football. You were and, seasoned. Yeah, and, and you know the grocery store and all that. But I looked at it like, oh, my gosh, I have just played so much football. And then arena football on top of it was, it was backyard football. You didn't hand the football off. It was all about <laughs> throwing the football and scoring points yeah. and putting yourself in a two-minute drill every time you – so I was – you know, so much better as a quarterback because I had experienced more. I had played more football at that particular time. And so, um, you know, so those were kind of the things that kept me going. But, you know, there's also blessings in disguise through so many of those different things that taught me and helped me to become both the person and the player that I was. So when I finally did get back there, I was so ready to seize that moment, you know, and you mentioned the draft already, right? I think that's one of the problems with, these young guys, we throw these young guys into situations they're not ready for, and we expect them to play up for it. If I'd have been in that situation coming out of college, who knows? I might have disappeared after two or three years, too. Because no doubt. It was like I wasn't ready. When I was ready and I got my chance, boom, I'm able to, to shine and play my best football. And so, you know, there are so many elements that go into each of our journeys. And I'm grateful, you know, again, I wanted it completely different for a long time. But I'm grateful yep. for the different things that that came along my path because it really did prepare me to have the kind of career and, and be the kind of person that I wanted to be.
0: I love that. And I feel like that is something that I've struggled with because my path, different but similar. Five years, no one missed a game ever. <laughs> I was behind Matt Ryan, who never yeah. missed any games. Behind uh, Aaron Rodgers, who I was also behind Jordan Love, he never he missed one game and we happened to miss the same game because of COVID. We both had COVID the same week. And then I was behind Brock Purdy. And it was just, it's, you look at it and it's like, wow, half a decade went by and that's a lot of practice. Yeah. Um, And people define, you know, it by never having played, only have kneeled the ball twice. It's the only live action I've ever gotten in five years mm-hmm. where I'm like, when I have a ball in my hand at practice, everyone on defense knows what I'm trying to do. Like, It was annoying when I was in at practice, when I got the third reps, because people knew I was trying to make, (laughs) trying to make plays. And, but they also respected that and all of the, that's why I'm actually pretty good friends with a lot of the defensive guys that I've played with over the years, because they knew I went about every single practice. Like it was my last chance. You basically. Um, Well, I I, I was, I
1: was the scout team player of the year. So a lot of people don't even realize that I was with the Rams in 1998. Because they all only think, oh, you know, I came out of a grocery store and dropped in in 99 and won the MVP. But I was actually with the Rams the year before. (laughs) And I was the scout team player of the year the year before. And it was the same thing. Like, I'm trying to prove to everybody that I can play. Every day I get to go against the number one defense. And I think that went a long way in me becoming the backup the next year and then ultimately taking over for Trent Green because they'd actually seen me play and compete against our number one defense every day. Yep. And that was my chance to go, I know I'm not going to get a game. I'm <laughs> going to show you I can play every day in practice. And I don't care what yep. everybody else is saying. I'm going out to compete every single day, you know, and, and earn their spot. So I fully understand what you're talking yeah. about. And, you know, there are no days off, even when you're a backup quarterback. Like, you're, you're, no. you're proving something every day of the week.
0: Yeah, and not to mention you're doing it against cards that are drawn up. To the defense's advantage in practice, like they're trying to give the defense—at least from where I was—it felt like I, they were trying to have me throw whole shots into like two man and like just yeah, I, I, you know I, how it goes. I said
1: forget that. I, I, yep. I forgot the circle <laughs> on there. I I wasn't yep. out there to throw picks to four guys. Throw here you know, to somebody that was covered by four guys. It was like you can get mad at me all you want, but the, yep. the opposing you know quarterback's not going to just throw it to the covered guy. He's going to throw it no. to the open guy. But but I understand <laughs> your point. Yes.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, yeah, you can go
2: Tyler. Kurt, could you compare a little bit the experience of you being on the practice squad, even all the way back when you were just a a camp arm with the Packers to NFL Europe to even the Arena League? Like how did those experiences set you up differently for your inevitable success? Was one of them maybe a little less useful for you? Can you just compare those for us for a bit?
1: Everyone was vital. And again, it's, it's so crazy that, you know, when I went to Green Bay, I mentioned earlier the quarterbacks that were there Um, And it was crazy because I left camp, even though I got cut by the Packers, whatever, three or four weeks into training camp, I got cut by the Packers. Um, But I left more confident than I was going there. And why is that? Well, it's because I was standing next to Brett Favre and throwing every day. And I was standing next to Ty Demmer, who had won the Heisman Trophy, and Mark Brunel, who would be an all-pro player. Um, I stood next to every one of those guys and threw every single day. And it was like, oh, I can do what he does. You know, and yep. obviously not in the same way. I mean, Brett's arm was stronger than mine, but, but you know what I'm talking about. Every day, competing and going, oh, I, I can do this. I can do what these guys can do. So even though I was cut, I gained a lot of confidence in being in that training camp for a short period of time and, it, and yeah. it, you know, created more of that confidence and belief, hey, if you get the right opportunity, you, you can do this. Uh Arena football was, I mean, it was, there was a couple things. The first thing is, I think I have lost a little bit of my love for football because the journey had become so much about making it, uh, yep. getting the big contract, getting the jersey with my name on it, right? You know, being in the NFL, that had become so much of the quest um, that I lost sight of why I love the game and why I love to play and compete. And so the first thing that arena football did for me was it, it helped me fall back in love with the game. And why I played the game. You know, you had guys in arena football that were hanging on for, you know, the last thread. Like, I just love this game and I, I want to play. You know, nobody was in it. It gives me chills no, thinking it, about that. It, I totally get that. Nobody was in it for the money. Nobody was in it for the amenities. I mean, you know, we're, where we stayed <laughs> and what we had. Like, it, <laughs> there, there was nothing there. But yeah. these guys just love to play. And so every day you just showed up with guys that were, you know, just trying to compete and play and, and, and hang on as long as they could because they love the game. So it helped me fall back in love with the game, which was very, very important. But then the second thing is just, you know, playing arena football, you know, it, it, it's a beautiful thing because it is all about throwing. You you never hand the football off. So the quarterback is vital every game. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. not, you know, there are no game manager monikers in, in arena football. Like, you know, you're, you're either playing and winning or, or you're not. And you know, yeah. it's all about throwing you know, the confines of arena football made it faster and really forced your accuracy and your timing. And so, you know, I have people all the time that, that ask me, okay, you know, when you went to arena football, obviously it must have helped hone your skills. Uh, but, you know, they asked me, you know, did you have those skills before you went and arena football was just the perfect fit for what you did or did you not have those skills and arena football taught you those things? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I I really don't. All I know is that there's no question it made me better or it brought those skills out. And those were the same skills that I became known for in the National Football League. It was about anticipation. It was about quick release. It was about accuracy. All those things that I did for three years in arena football were the things that would set me apart uh, in the NFL. So what-
0: I have a a question about this real quick. I don't
1: know, but- uh, but there's no question that it helped me. Yeah, go ahead.
0: With with your style, I never watched your arena highlights, and I'm curious to know, like, did you scramble around? Did you like make more plays with your feet because of the the style? You know what I mean? Like, I know your style in the NFL. Like, right. did you have a little more flair in arena because it warranted that?
1: It's it's funny that you say that because you know I'm 52 now. I've got two boys. I got one that plays college football, but all they see dad. They see dad as the old non athlete, right? All they yeah. ever really remember is, you know, I was older in my career in the NFL and, you know, they all think they, they're better athletes than I ever was, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's funny that yeah. you say that because, you know, you would you would never guess this in a million years. But my nickname in arena football was Houdini because oh. of my ability to make plays and escape the pressure and, and to create. And so, you know, when I tell my kids, they're just like, whatever, dad. I mean, I got T-shirts that have – Dude, okay. So I pull it out. And again, it wasn't that I was, you know, a great scrambler, but you know, you have to be somewhat athletic. You have to be able to avoid in the pocket, buy a little bit of time and, and create. And I was very, very good at that. Um, you know, in the arena football league and, you know, in the NFL, it became more about, I'm just trying to avoid two or three guys inside the pocket to be able to make a throw. It wasn't about becoming an athlete when I was playing. Uh, but yes, um, you know, it was more about you know finding ways to be athletic, playing the position that didn't have to do with jumping high and running fast, uh, yeah. just avoiding it and making plays on the move. So it's it's funny that you say that. My kids, you know, still don't believe it, even though I've got T-shirts to to we'll show. We'll find it. the archives. Uh, there you find go. t uh, bounce back, but but yeah, it was <laughs> it was you know a part of it uh, when you played arena football, like you said, because you know. For those that have never seen it or don't know, like there's only three offensive linemen, three defensive line. You know, so the defensive ends are like right there. So there was <laughs> a, a little yeah. more opportunities for those guys to kind of squeeze, and you had to to get out and create and, and and make some plays on the move, more so than the NFL, where obviously guys are further apart and and it can be played a little bit mm-hmm. more in the pocket.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's I'm glad I'm glad yeah. I thought to ask that question. <laughs> and that's...
1: then Tyler, I'll go to the last one with NFL yeah. Europe. And, and where that was important was, again, just to get back on the big field. So arena football is 50 yards uh, long, yeah. right, and 25 yards wide, so it's about half the size of a big field. And so where NFL Europe was important both for me and I think for the people that were watching me was, okay, can he make those throws, right? Can he sure. do those things, um, you know, when he gets back on the big field? And so – that step was, was really vital, even though, you know, just for a short period of time in NFL Europe, for people to see that. And, you know, the ironic thing, and and again, I don't know if you guys have seen, that they made that movie about my life. And there's a, you know, kind of a line in there, you know, just me talking about how the game was slow when I got to the NFL, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I felt like I was waiting on things in the NFL, which what a blessing that is, right? Most people make the jump to the NFL, like, oh my gosh, it's so fast. Like, how do I slow it down? For me, it was the opposite. It was like, okay, how do I slow down? Because the game seems so much slower than arena football. So again, such a huge benefit for me when I got back on the big field that I wasn't trying to catch up to speed. Complexity, right. yes, I had to, you know, it was different from a complexity standpoint. But speed-wise, it was more about, hey, okay, this is, you know, this is slow. Like, I yeah. got this. Like, this isn't hard to see what's going on. So there were blessings in each of those different steps that again helped prepare mm-hmm. me for when uh, when that opportunity did come.
0: That's really yeah. good perspective. There's also I this is my first year like fully out of football and wildly enough I feel like I've watched more football in my life this year than I did even when I was playing. Cause you know when right. you're playing, you watching you watch a lot of film, but it's mainly of your opponent. And then it's like self scout. But like each week, and we you were in a West Coast game, right?
1: No, nah, not really. Uh, I mean, I was what a game for a minute. Uh, we were more the three digit, so what uh, kind of based on the Air Coriel, North Turner gotcha. three digit, more down the gotcha. field than the West Coast. By the way, I, I hated the West Coast, but uh, you know, that's, so, that's a whole nother conversation for, dude, for all of us different quarterbacks. Yeah, we'll was, we'll, we'll go was, to like a breakdown episode. That was not my style.
0: Yeah, I I would say it wasn't mine either. I was just that's my first experience was in West Coast, and yeah. I got labeled as a West Coast guy. But like, right. I would say fit wise, like my play style did not fit what they wanted me to do um i'm a lot more rogue than that but i would say like the biggest thing from watching all of these different games this year like getting my head out of the game plan because i feel like every week i was just trying to get the game plan down for sunday because west coast you could i i truly think that you could have somewhat success not watching any opponent film going into the game week in a west coast scheme Mm -hmm. Like somewhat, you, you won't crush well, it, but well, but, but that system's I mean, set up for that.
1: I, I don't know what yours was like, but when I was in the West Coast or kind of versions of that for background of different coaches, you know, the game plan stayed the same, you know, for the majority of the game plan stayed the same week in and week out. So it wasn't yep. really about, okay, we're going to adjust this to what the defense does. It was just, oh, if the defense does this, then the throw may go here and, exactly. instead of there, or he may sit it down here. And so – everything, you know, was so much the same that I agree with you. And, you know, it's funny that I, you know, I I work with a lot of quarterbacks now and, you know, one of the first things they're always asking is how did you prepare? How did you get ready to to play at a high level? And the first thing I always tell them is you've got to understand who you are as a quarterback first to understand how to prepare. And, you know, like to your point, like Peyton Manning, there's no question Peyton Manning watched more tape than I did on a weekly basis because he played the game before the snap. My greatest strength was playing the game after the snap. So I spent more time learning our playbook and what Mm -hmm. I needed to do and how I needed to react to what a defense was going to do. I didn't really care what they were going to do because I wasn't going to try to guess, oh, I think in this situation they're going to run. No, I'm going to see it, and then I'm going to react to it. So I spent more time on our stuff than I did opponent stuff. Neither one of them is right or wrong. Neither one of them is, hey, this is the better way because Peyton was better than... Kurt. The bottom line was, I needed to maximize what I did well. And so I had to figure that out. And then I could, you know, determine what my prep was and and how right. I prepared week in and week out. And, you know, until you do that, because we can all go back and say, I want to be Peyton Manning. I'm going to... Well, we're not all Peyton Manning. We we can't nope. see it and think that way. And, and, and vice versa. And so, you know, to me, so much of it became, okay, who am I? What do I need to do to be successful in what we're doing? Whether that's watching more film or whether that's studying our playbook more, you have to figure that out before you can answer any of these questions and you can't just take, oh, this guy was great, I so let me that. do what he does. You know, we're all different.
0: I that is if for young kids that are listening, if there's one piece of advice that I think can transcend you to the next level, it's that because when I was in college, I played with so much anxiety because I felt like I wasn't prepared enough. Because I wasn't, I, ne- I felt like I was never going to watch as much film as Peyton Manning. That was like, yep. it was like, oh, you want to be great, go go watch yep. as much film as possible. The more film that I watched after a certain threshold, the worse that I played. Yeah. Because I was thinking about everything. My to your point, my play style was very similar. I need to be aware of what's happening pre snap with a few indicators and like third downs and red zones. Like you have your specific plays, but after that, like go drop back, go through my progression, rip it when it's there, and then go make a play. And when I lived in that world, I was the best version of me. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest jump that I made from year one to year two in my preseason was year one as a rookie, I'm trying to just, you know, drink water out of a water hose in the West Coast scheme under Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub, who had played for nearly 30 years together in that quarterback room. And I'm the rookie, and I didn't really realize the dynamic. And, you know, I'm learning. And I'm realizing that's not actually my expectation as a rookie. Like They're just giving me a hard time. (laughs) So then year two came around. I'm like, wait a minute. They didn't bring me in to be those guys. They know my play style. They want me to be prepared, but be me. And that's when I took a jump. And unfortunately, I had a season-ending injury in preseason. And then COVID happened after. So I had two years of like no preseason, unfortunately. But I also was able to realize I need to be the best version of me and find comps of players that play similarly to me. And then also take from other people that... I'm seeing in the building what are their routines how are they preparing some right. guys watched a lot of film some guys watched just enough plus a little yeah. and some guys spent more time recovery with mental stuff like it's right. just that right. for me was like I started seeing a little bit and then year 4 hit and I went to Green Bay and I became in the room with Aaron and Jordan and I watched how Aaron did things and I was like wow Aaron prepared very much like you yeah. where he didn't watch like the most amount of film but he knew his critical downs and he knew what he needed to do in his play style. Yeah. And that was just like, that, that removed so much anxiety of my expectations of myself as a player. And the, uh what is it called? When you imposter syndrome syndrome, I used to have that when I was younger. Cause I'm like, I'm not prepared. I, I yeah. haven't done enough. Like the hay is yeah. never in the barn, but yeah, that I think kids will take and run with. Yeah. So I'm glad and, you said that.
1: And I think it, you know, you know don't get me wrong you know because when the kids are listening that wasn't a license not to watch film right that wasn't a license not to be prepared because there's no question both of us watched a lot of film I I watched a lot of film I just watched enough film I watched enough film to give me what I needed to go out there and be successful on Sundays I didn't over prepare you know and maybe the best example is early on I was kind of like he was like okay how, how do you prepare like what yep. is enough film? What do you watch? What am I looking for? Say, so <laughs> what am I'm trying, I looking I'm trying, at, trying dude? to figure it out? And so, I was watching a game. Um, you know, we were getting ready to play Atlanta and was watching a game, and, and the team before us threw a slant on the backside in a particular corner, jumped the slant, and picked it off. And I'm like, oh, okay, I saw that, I got it. Yep, so we go into the game and we call a slant, and I'm like, he isn't gonna get me. And I drop back, no chance. and the corner does absolutely nothing, he drops back. He's playing a deep third. The slant's wide open and I don't throw it. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, shoot. I try to throw it. late. The ball gets tipped and broken up. And I'm like, never again. Never again am I going to watch so much tape that I'm trying to guess what somebody's going to do. For me, it was trust your eyes. Play with your eyes. That's what your strength is. So, you know, I never really watched players as much as I watched scheme. Because for me, it was like, I want to know the scheme. I want to know who my eyes are on. And then I'll let that guy tell me what I'm going to do in the moment. I'm not going to try to assume what I'm going to do in the moment. You know, I went to New York for one year, and that was in a system where we had to call out the mic. You know, everybody watching, I'm sure, sees the quarterback. Hey, Mike's 52. And it used to irritate me so much because I'm like, Mike's always 52. Like, we all know who Mike is. But I would spend so much time worrying about, okay, are they going to rotate? So I need to call 53, Mike. Or fifty, yep. and that that I'm spending so much time looking at these stupid linebackers, that I didn't get to see what I would normally see playing. So I'm playing in New York, yep. and and I felt like I was handcuffed because I wasn't playing to my strengths. And yep. you know, and it, it was just a simple Mike call, but to me it was annoying because it's like Mike is Mike. Like 95% of it's that guy right there in the middle. Why am I calling it out? (laughs) Like everybody in the world knows who it It is. It takes
0: you three seconds of your time and processing that you could be using somewhere else. I'm so with you. And then
1: teams that were smart, you know, we played against Baltimore and, you know, I remember it was one of Eli's first starts and he's playing against Baltimore and, you know, he's on 52 is Mike. And then, you know, Ray Lewis walks over to the other side and he's like, Oh, well, okay. And then Ray Lewis walks back and he's like, yeah. and, And for me, it's just like that position right there is Mike. I don't care if Ray walks over to the sideline. Whoever ends up in that position is the Mike. Let's play football. Like let's not overthink this and let's not spend too much time worrying about stupid stuff that to me, you know, isn't that important. Is that, hey, we all know that's the guy. If I need to change it, I'll change it. But other than that, let's just play ball. So that's a great example of this was after I had been to two Super Bowls. This is after I had won two MVPs and I'm playing and I feel handcuffed as a veteran guy because they're asking me to do things that just don't make sense to my mind and why I'm spending time doing that when it's just yeah. like the most obvious thing in football to me.
2: I love that. We want to pivot to some some quarterbacks today. And what I just want to say one of my favorite things about two guys like you who make the transition into media is that you will sit on Twitter and you'll do these great film breakdowns, stuff that I'm assuming you're doing when you're playing and now you're just doing them for the public. And people are going to rip you apart even though you're just doing what you think is honest work and and Kurt I'm sure you've seen that now on Twitter as you do breakdowns of these guys and everybody has an opinion on on your breakdowns. One of my favorite was from you yesterday. You asked people for their opinions on your rankings which you know if you've been on Twitter any amount of time you realize you don't have to <laughs> ask people. They'll they'll just give them to yeah. you regardless. <laughs> but yeah. but you, you posed an interesting question. You wanted people to rank quarterbacks based solely on the game tape from the past year and then you asked for rankings based on how they might think they project to the NFL. So I'm going to put the same question back on you. Can you give me a ranking of these guys for this upcoming class based on those two criteria?
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, because again, I, you know, I've said this every year I've been in the media. I'm not a draft guy. Like I cover the draft, you know, the, the first day so I can talk about the quarterbacks and the big things and it's obviously a great day for our league because it's exciting yeah. to see where the the league is going. But I just believe so much of it is speculation. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's one of the first things that I say is that there's not a single court, and I won't say a single, but there are very few quarterbacks in the history of time that can be the same quarterback they were in college in the NFL and be great. It just, it, yep. It's just, they got to get better. They got to be better. They've got to be better in whatever facet. So for me to look at a guy in college and then go, oh, he's going to be great in the NFL, I have no idea because he's got to get better. Can he get better? You know, and I, you know, I use, you know, examples like a Tom Brady, right? He was a, he was a good college quarterback not a great college quarterback, but he was a guy that seemed like he got better every year in the NFL. How how do I know who's got the capabilities of, of getting better? We've seen great yeah. college quarterbacks that get to the NFL and they can't get any better. Like they're the same quarterback five years in that they were in college. They were great in college, but they, they, they can't even get on the field in the NFL because they can't improve at the level they need to. And so that's always my first caveat is like, I can grade them only on what I see at this point. I, I'm not going to sit here and project who can be better or who will be better or whose ceiling, right? We use that all the time. Whose ceiling yeah. is higher? I don't know somebody's ceiling until they hit it, right? Like Tom Brady, yeah. I don't think he still hit a ceiling. He's 45 and he's still got a and higher just, ceiling.
0: Just broke his 40-yard dash time from the combine 22 years ago. So there's that. <laughs> right. Actually happened, I think, today. Maybe oh, really? Yesterday. Okay. Yeah, He he ran. He ran. I mean – And him running looks so much better now than he did when he was coming out. He's way more flexible. He's got a more open stride, but I think he shaved off like a tenth. Yeah. Like five one. So he's he's definitely proud of it.
1: No doubt. And so, you know, that to me is where I think this all starts. So to go back to your point, and again, you know, that's the other question that we have, right? Is we can go back to like Caleb Williams last year and we're like, oh gosh, he's really good. And then this year, maybe not as good. Okay. Why? Like, so who is Caleb Williams? Like, who is he right now? Is he the quarterback from a year ago? Or is he the quarterback now? Or is it the system? Or is it the play? Like, you know, there's all this stuff going like, you tell me, like, who is this guy <laughs> right now in his career? Who am I getting in the NFL? So if I just went back and looked at tape uh, of this year, I'm still going to put Caleb Williams at number one, although there are some issues for me with some of the tape. Um, but a lot of it falls to, I don't like the system and the plays that they're running. So it doesn't give me a chance. So it was funny. I broke down, you know, I did my tape study for Caleb Williams, and I did it against Washington because he was like 27 for 35. Stats are great. Numbers are good. And I watched it, and I was like, you know, like so much of it's like like creating because, you know, it's mirrored concepts, and nobody's open, and it's just blah, you know. But I wanted to show a game that the numbers were really good. And then I was watching Mm -hmm. more tape, and I went and watched the Colorado game. And I understand Colorado's not a great defense, blah, blah, blah. But they showed him different coverages, and I saw him process information. I saw him get the ball out on time and see things and, and read things and play more in the pocket. So I actually did a second breakdown and go, i got I got, to, I got to break down this state too because now I'm getting to see the whole body of work. And then you couple that with his physical ability. I mean, his his understanding of how to play – you know, and again, I, I hate to project any of these guys to be great players in the NFL. And I know that the comp has been, you know, like the Patrick Mahomes. But I will say he does have a unique feel to the game, the ability to make throws off platform, the ability to make throws with touch. So everything's not 100 miles an hour when his, when his body's moving. Uh, and, and you see a lot of that stuff. So when I'm able to kind of put all of that together. You know, you got to put him number one because he's done it for two years. He's done it at a high level. I mean, even at Oklahoma, he obviously did it at a a high level. But he's done it at a high level, and he's got all of the things that you want to see. He's got all the ability that you need to see. Um, So he's going to be number one on my list. Um, Number two is probably going to be Jaden Daniels for me. Um, And again, smaller sample size. Um, And you know, I'm going to tell all of these guys have some questions for me, but, but he would be number two. Um, and you know, I did the same thing with him is that I I broke down the Alabama game. Kurt, you had mentioned that on Twitter. Uh, a number of people did, um, you know, and there was some up and down in that Alabama game, uh, from him. And so, you know, again, I was just watching more film and I, and I caught the old miss game, um, that he played. And I was like, okay, there's some stuff in here. There's, there's some good stuff in here at seeing the field and making progressions and reading it and making big-time throws in that game where I broke that one down afterwards, too. And when I start to stack it together – and, again, you know, he gets the luxury of having the best college season of any of these guys. Like, when you put yeah. it all together, you can't look at anybody and go they had a better college season. So he gets that kind of that Joe Burrow, that one year mm-hmm. that was just like, wow. Now, I don't, I, I don't know. It's all we get to really go on is is yeah. that – but, um, but you know, he was so good this year. And, you know, and he had some games where you're just like, dang, like you, you, you can't be any better. Like you, you can't, yeah. you know, have more complete. I mean, he runs for 150 yards. and he throw, Like you're just like blown away at all the playmaking that he does. And so, you know, there's still some things, you know, when his technique gets away from him, which it will, he struggles. Uh, so he's got to be more of a balanced thrower. Um, and so you saw some of that in the Alabama game, he's missing throws that are right in front of him where you're like, yeah, Dude, like the you can't. flat
0: routes to the left.
1: Yeah. I got a couple shallow yeah. routes too, where his feet are in the wrong yeah. spot. And you know, so like a Caleb Williams makes up for some of that, a Patrick Mahomes, their feet aren't right. Aaron Rodgers, their feet aren't right. They're so good with their core that they make up yeah. for that. I didn't see that as much with Jaden. And so, that, you know, concerns me a little bit. Does he have to play perfectly, especially with his body size and making some of the throws? But if I just looked at tape, um, I've got to put him at number two. Um, from there, I'd probably go Michael Penick uh, if we're looking at just tape. Now, I, like I thought he was better at the beginning of the year than the end of the year. So I went and broke down a tape at the end of the year against Utah again. And so not as good um as he was, but I just think when you look at it, big picture wise, um, does some really good things about getting the ball out quick. Uh, you know his long ball is, I mean, was just really good. I mean, yeah, you he's know, so like,
0: accurate deep,
1: which which really surprised me because I'm scared to death of his technique because he really opens up uh, to make some of these throws. And usually when you open up like that and kind of throw across your body, you're not very accurate. But he was really accurate on the deep ball. My mind says that won't carry over, like. You can't. You can't continually be accurate on deep throws when you're stepping away from it. But he was this year. So if I'm just looking at play, game in, game out, uh, I put him at number three. Um, Bo Nix would be four for me. Uh, And, you know, there's some games for him that were really good. The the Oregon State game, really, really good. Like that one was the first one I watched of him, and I'm like, oh, man, maybe he's going to be a little bit higher. The other games I watched – not quite as much. I know one of the big knocks on him is there's a lot more shorter throws with Bo. And and you do see that when you watch more and more tape, you're like, okay, I'd like to see a little bit more pushing. And again, not his fault. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I, I just would like, the to tough see, part. I would like to see an offense, you know, cause he made a lot of good decisions and he was accurate with the football and he made throws down the field, but a lot of the stuff was, was shorter, you know, choice routes and, and, and things like that, which he was really good at. Um, so so that to me, it's like I'm a little concerned. Not that he doesn't have the arm strength because, I, I, you know, he does. But you want to see a guy consistently play that way. So you saw mm-hmm. more of Daniels and you saw more of Penix playing down the field. Um, but, I, but I liked what I saw from Bo Nix on tape. And I liked the way he processed and saw things and made decisions. So I could, you know, Penix and, and Nix, I could go either way. Uh, I'm with- glad you
0: said Nix. I've been like – The more I watch, the more I'm like, I think he can translate more quick than some of the other guys that have the higher ceilings that everyone's saying. And I'm like, I could see him being kind of like a a cleaner version of Sam Howell, where like just kind of out there slinging it around. Like, I think he can throw downfield. I think scheme wise, like you said, he's not really being asked to, but when he does, he he does a decent job. He does a pretty good job. And so I'm looking at him him, and I'm like,
1: they ask him to see the field too. Like, that's the other thing. Like, you watch Daniels and as good as he was on film, like, I could show you three concepts and they yeah. run them over and over and over and over again, which is which is great. Like, it's fine. It, it, it works yeah. and it's whatever. But that's not going to be the end of it. Like, you're going to have no. a big playbook. You're going to have to decipher things and read coverages for different plays. It's not always going to be the same thing. And so, um, you know, so that's, you know, to your point with Bo is that I felt like their offense was – maybe the most kind of pro-ish offense that we saw. And so that, you know, that kind of excites me. Like, yeah, I feel like he can handle more. He can see more. He can go through more coverage concepts or, you know, past concepts than than other guys. So so I liked, uh, you know, I liked that part of him um, a little bit too. Who are we missing now? Oh, okay. Um, and you have McCarthy and May. Um, and this is kind of tough for me because... Uh, May the biggest thing for me with May was he misses too many layups. Like technique wise, he's bouncing in the pocket too much. He's not set enough to play the position, and he misses too many layups. And you know, I kept hoping that I would find some tape where that didn't happen. You know, I had somebody hit me up on Twitter because you know that that was that's kind of my impression watching the tape of. <laughs> Like yeah. you're going to see some good, but you're going to see a bunch of, you know, missed layups. And again, I, I say a bunch, that's, you know, four or five in a game, but you're going to see those. And then somebody said, Hey, the best half of football I watched was Drake May against Virginia in the second half. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go watch that tape then. Cause, cause my impression yeah. of him is, you know, is a little bit off because he's missing too many throws. So I went back and watched that tape and it was the same thing. Made some great throws. Really, really talented <laughs> physically. Yeah. I think he's a better thrower down the field than he is on the short stuff. So some of that stuff does connect to – because everybody, you know, likens him or compares him to Justin Herbert. I think Justin yep. Herbert's the same way. He's got that big arm and, and he right throws the ball better down the field than he does on the short throws because uh, his yep. body is long, whatever. So, you know, I understand some of those comparisons. Um, I, you know, I obviously think Justin's, you know, better than where Drake is right now. But – um But I went back and watched that tape, and I just I saw the same thing. Is that ball placement just isn't what I want it to be too many times? And I get it. We can clean up, you know, technique. We can get better at things. I don't know what's harped on, Uh, but those are things that concern. Like you got to make the throws that are in front of you. You got to make the layups that are there in the NFL, or you're you know your team's already behind the eight ball if you can't do that. So there were too many missed. Layups. Now, I haven't gone back and watched him last year because I think you know from what everybody's told me, better last year than he was this year. I'm just kind of going on because I also look at it like I just want you to play the play in front of you. Like that's where are you right now? When I'm breaking down a play, I'm not going like, "What have you done?" I'm taking this play, this play right here, play the play, and that's that's all I can do, and not try to stack things or say, "Well, this offense was okay, whatever." I, I get it. I understand what people say, but I want you to see you play this play, you know, and how yeah. you play this play is going to tell me about your process and, and those kinds of things. So, uh, to me, I would put him at fifth uh, because of that, you know, because I just I haven't seen the consistency enough from him to really get me excited that he can play. But again, I'll use the caveat: when I watched Patrick Mahomes in college, said the same thing. His feet were all over the place. He's throwing slants in the third window. And I'm like, dude, you you can't do this at the end. Like, you can't do this in the NFL. And then it took me about two weeks of him starting in the NFL to go, oh, okay. He can play the game up here. He's seeing things that other people aren't seeing. And so that third window slant may not have been just, I'm picking the slant and I'm going to throw it no matter when it comes open. It may have been him seeing something that very few people can see because he's got a creativity in the way that he thinks that I couldn't see in college. So yeah. I, I always put that caveat out there because I think there are some of these guys that probably have skills. We don't get to see based on their scheme, what they're being asked to do, but I don't know that. And I won't know yeah, that. We can't quantify that on like, our side. And so that's, no that's a hard thing, but I would put May at fifth and then I put McCarthy at six, you know, using those top six guys um, yeah. simply because I just haven't seen enough. Like, I need to see my college quarterback carry a team at some point to think that I can jump up yeah. above these other guys that were asked to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game and think now some more pros, you know, concepts in there, you know, throwing the ball down the field. There's certain things about his technique that I like. He plays pretty balanced, although I think he overstrides too many and throws too many too hard, um, you know, but again. He definitely he, has a he, one yeah, speed. Yeah, he misses some throws because he tries to throw it too hard. So you have some inconsistencies. And then to me, just not the body of work to get me really excited to go, man, this guy can be a guy I can build around. Um, and then I'll throw out a caveat for you. And it's a guy I've been watching a lot since high school because he's an Arizona kid. And that's Spencer Rattler. Um, yes, he, yes. Uh, he's one of the most gifted throwers I've ever seen. And you know I saw it back in high school. We competed against him. I've known him for a long time. Watched him at Oklahoma. Um, you know The one thing is I never really felt like he understood how to play the game. He was just gifted to play the game. I think he's matured. I think he's grown in that capacity. Watching the tape, it's still kind of all over the place. But there's a skill set there and there's a technique there that if he hones it, he's very, very gifted. And he may be yeah. more gifted than than all these other guys I'm talking about when you look at the big picture, maybe besides Caleb, um, when you look at the big picture of his ability to throw the football. Um but I, I just that. think, I think there's, you know, there, there's a little bit, you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done there in different ways. But you see some really good glimpses at South Carolina as he's matured and grown as a quarterback um, that, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see how he plays out. I think the right system, sitting for a couple years with his talent, there may be something there that a couple years from now we're going, oh, okay. This guy we'll save this know,
0: we'll save this clip for yeah, when that this happens. this guy you know yeah.
1: jumps up a little bit higher on everybody's board because he is yep. very very gifted.
0: I I like that. I think too the I'm I love how you look at these guys and I love how you're breaking them down and talking about it because I think it shows it it, it how what do I want to say this like it leans itself towards how we watch film every day in the NFL. Like the play in front of you nobody like you can throw an amazing touchdown and fit like a a whole shot in and do something crazy but as soon as you hit next on the film and you miss a stick route or you miss a flat route like you're going to get coached on that every single time if you have a good coach and that is i think at least that's how i watch film too it's like i don't caleb williams can do something absolutely amazing that i'm still going to be like your feet were bad on this very next play on quick game and you were late on the throw and like you you passed it up like it's not nitpicking. It's just like, that is how we're wired to watch. Yeah. And so when we're putting it out on social and like, that's how we're talking about these guys, we have just a lot of time on task of that's how we're ingrained to watch film. Yeah. So we're just regurgitating how we were taught to watch yeah. it right to the public. Well, um, and,
1: and I would just say, Kurt too, I almost look at it, you know, even more the opposite that I don't care about the wild throws. Now, obviously you know, I care about them because, yeah. you know, because they matter. But I look at it the opposite way. Like, I want to see you make the layups. Like, show me you make every layup. Show me you make the easy reads. When something's in front of you, take it. Like, that to me, so I look at it that way first. You know, so when I was doing this series at my son that plays in college, I broke down his take first because I wanted Mm -hmm. people to see and understand what I'm talking about. Like, I don't believe there's- Which I saw. It was awesome. A kid out there that processes information like he does and, and makes the right decision. He might not be as physically talented as some of these guys, but that to me doesn't matter because he's on time, he's accurate, mm-hmm. he gets the ball to the right guy, and that's how I start when I watch film. You know, I, I always use the analogy that Andy Dalton, to me, is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the world, okay? So he's one of the 32 best in the world. And I try to get every quarterback or watch every quarterback and say, can you be Andy Dalton? And what I mean by that is Andy Dalton does not carry your team. You know, he, he, he went to Cincinnati. He changed the culture. He won a lot of games. He got them to the playoffs every year, and then they lost in the playoffs because yep. he, he didn't have that extra. Whatever that extra is, there's lots of effort, different ways to have extra. He didn't have the extra. So he's one of the 32 best in the world, but he's kind of that threshold. Yep. I want to see if you can be Andy Dalton. Like, be Andy Dalton for me. Make the layups. Give yourself a chance. Give your team a chance every time out. And then once you become one of the 32 best, now we got to chase championship. Now, now, what else can you give me? Can you give me Lamar Jackson running around? Can you give me Tom Brady in the biggest moment? Can you give me Aaron Rodgers doing things that only Aaron Rodgers? Like, (laughs) then you start climbing the ladder to go, okay, now this guy isn't just a starting quarterback. This guy's, you know, a championship-level quarterback. This guy's a Super Bowl-winning. Like, then you start to to attack it from that standpoint. So – I look at Andy Dalton, and let's just say it's a scale of one to one hundred, and I put Andy Dalton as a seventy. A seventy is a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's where I start my breakdowns of these guys. Show me you can be a seventy, because now you're great. I mean, now you're one of the thirty-two best in the world, and we got somewhere to go. If you can't go above that, okay, you're Andy Dalton. Okay, okay, no shame in that either. There's no shame. Yeah, no shame. I mean, Andy Dalton's great. Andy Dalton, but. And again, that's not a knock on Andy Dalton. It's just simply saying mm-hmm. some guys have extra, but you've got to get to that threshold. And how do you get there? And the easiest way to get there to me is, you know, read it, see it, throw it yeah. and be able to make the layups and then show me what else you can give me from there. And so I always start my analysis that way. Like if you don't make I the layups that. now, I'm going, okay, now what do I do? Oh, well, that was great. That was bad. That was great. That was like great and bad doesn't work in the NFL. Like you're not going to be around for long. If you can give me a grade, every three throws, and then you miss, you know, two layups along the way.
0: Like You're going to be three and out often yeah, in the not, NFL. Well, you're you not going to be starting layups. for
1: long if that's the case, yep. you know, unless again, you know, you can run around and make a bunch of plays and we say, wow, we'll keep you in there for a while, but eventually it's always going to catch up to you, you know? And again, you know, I like Justin Fields. I think he's a great dude and I want to see him succeed. But that to me is why we have a question about Justin Fields right now. Is it cuz yeah. he doesn't make enough layups? And so here we are 3 years in and you know, you got people on both sides and everybody's angry and mad and what do we want to... Justin had 3 years to show me that he could make the layups. And then you yeah. add all the special stuff he does, but you got to show me that. He hasn't shown me in 3 yeah. years and I get it. crappy situation different offense coordinators not enough te- I get all that but yeah. I don't get to go well let's give you another you know let's give you a fourth shot to see I can only go off of what you show me and so you know for me Justin I, I want him to do well I don't think he was ready for the situation but he hasn't shown us that he can make he hasn't shown us he can be Andy yeah. Dalton yet you know he can make I hope layup. that
0: he goes somewhere that that's the emphasis because I think Chicago felt like they needed this superhero to beat the big bad Packers to now compete with the lions who are a problem. And they needed Justin Fields to be a superhero where Justin Fields needs Justin Fields to be really good on first and second down and not get into third and long and have to be a superhero. Like that's what Justin Fields needs. And I, I really, I hope that, and it's like, it's coming out that they, people think he's going to Atlanta. I hope that if that's the case, you can go not have to be the Justin Fields that once was and can just go manage the game and then when you need to make it happen make it happen because there's enough there's enough pieces there and it sounds like they have a good oc i don't know much about him but i know the i know the tree like if they can put something together there in a weaker division i think if if he just to your point becomes andy dalton for a year they could go to the playoffs yeah wherever he goes next but But, but, how do you wire a guy that way when he's not well that's
1: i mean but you you have to realize that that's how you play the game you know, yep. you, know we, you can use Joseph, I'll use Josh Allen. Yep. Watch Josh Allen play all year. He was at his best when he played on schedule, on time, yep. and got the ball out of his hands. Yes, yep. he would make two of the superhero plays a game. <laughs> but yep. when he p- lived in that world and played too fast, their team wasn't as good. They were mm-hmm. better when he just played the game and he utilized all his strengths and then could be the superhero a couple times. They were a better football team. So it's not just a Justin Fields, it's not just, you know, Josh, F., Lamar Jackson, like it's all these guys. I mean, what does what what Patrick Mahomes do so well? He plays every down really, really well. And then when he needs to be a superhero, nobody's yeah. better at being able to delineate between playing the game and being a superhero than Patrick Mahomes. And so his ability yep. to do both is what makes him great. But it starts with, he knows how to play the game and he plays the game how it's supposed to be played. And then adds the extra. When any of these guys get away from that, they struggle. And, you know, again, the better you are, the more you can overcome it. When you're when you're yeah. not as good, the less you can overcome it. Um, and, you know, I just think we see it over and over. Russell Wilson, he made yeah. a living doing that because they had a good defense and a good running game, so he could give them three or four of those plays. And now he's being asked to be more Andy Dalton, and he's struggling. Yeah. To 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 be that because he can't create and do those things anymore. And now, I mean, my gosh, I, I you know it's dumbfounding to think people are talking about he might not be in the league next year. Like he might yeah. not be with the team next year after being on the fast track to the Hall of Fame, you know, for the first eight or nine years of his career. But again, it doesn't matter where we go, whether we're talking about college guys or these NFL guys or these great NFL guys. It all comes back to can you play that way first, and yep. then everything else goes from there.
0: And, you know, the last part before we transition, Tyler, you saw that with Mahomes midway through the season. When he tried to be the superhero to get his team over the hump, he dipped a little bit. Like, his play went down. And then they got right back on track where he just started taking what they were giving him, being the guy that was on schedule, in rhythm, accurate. And then when they absolutely needed a play at the right time, he did it. But the games that were bad for the Chiefs, he was trying to be a superhero early and not late. No doubt. And it's right to your point. But, yeah, Tyler, you you can take us away, dude. I just want to end it here. We talked about Justin Fields. Is there a quarterback, Kurt, that
2: you predict next year is going to make this jump? Seems like every year we have a guy, maybe second, third year guy that makes the leap into this Ooh. next category of players. Is there a guy that you have your eye on?
0: Oh, like that's currently in that's, the league?
2: I mean let's go currently he, in the league. I mean
1: I mean, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta tell me who's there right now. Like who's, right. who, who's in that category <laughs> right I mean, if, if you're saying that and I'm just going to say he's not there because he's only played one year. I'm going C.J. Stroud. Like, uh, uh, of all the quarterbacks I watched last year, the things that, that again, that, that when I break down tape and I watch it and I talk about tying technique to decision-making and tying your feet to your eyes and seeing things and getting the ball out on time, I don't know if there was a better quarterback in the league last year than C.J. Stroud. And so I love that. he was phenomenal. And, I mean, I couldn't wait to pop on the tape every week because I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy, this guy's doing it all. He's got it all, and and he's on time, and he's a gifted thrower, and there's so many different things. So, I mean, again, we could say he's in that category because if if you're asking me who was elite last year, he's in my elite category, but it's only the first year. Um, But that's the guy for me. And, you know, and and I think it's a great place to, to go here as we've talked about the college stuff and as we're getting into the draft. I don't care what anybody tells you. And I shouldn't say that. I, I don't watch, you know, every single college game. You don't watch that. You know, I, I watch preparing for the draft and, and the combine and stuff like that. But when I watched C.J. Stroud on tape uh, at, you know, Ohio State, he's really good. There's no question. But they played an offense that was about drop back, seven steps, push the ball down the field, you know, make those different kinding, different making throws down the field. And they played a little bit slower than what he was asked to do in Houston. In Houston, it was all intermediate. Get the ball out, boom, back, read it, move, go. And so he plays differently in Houston than he did at Ohio State. So I say this to everybody, like, he's better. I'm seeing a better version of C.J. Shroud this first year in the NFL than I ever saw at Ohio State. He had things inside there that I didn't get to see because their offense wasn't built that way. And now we're seeing it. And so that's the next caveat to okay, what do these guys have that I don't get to see? Like, who's got the C.J. Stroud traits that we never got to see because they didn't ask him to play that way at Ohio State? Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, he's like exhibit one, um, exhibit A from from last year because he was so good this last year. I mean, really, I mean, I would put him up against anybody when you talk about technique, decision-making, getting the ball out of his hands. I would have put him up against anybody in the league last year. Um, he was that good as a rookie.
0: I I have to chime in real quick. So producer Roddy in the background just sent me a text. This guy has the same brain as you. I have been (laughs) saying the same stuff about CJ Stroud all year long. And I'm like, you guys just don't get it. How well he's playing the position. Like, and to do it in year one as a rookie starter is obviously like, that's, that's impressive in itself, but I'm thinking of where I was as a rookie and I'm like, God, man, there's no way in hell. And I was an undrafted guy. Like I had a different path, but just, a rookie is a rookie, regardless yeah. of how many – like like his well, processing and what he was able to do and translate and make that offense his own. And to when the pressure got hot, not to deviate from his feet, yeah. that was what really got me.
1: Well, and but, but I think what you realize is this is stuff that's ingrained in CJ. And, again, it's one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I, I showed my son's tape before I, I looked at all these other guys. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you, one of your comments was, you know, he has, my son's got a wide base. If you watch C.J. Stroud, I bet that's the first thing you would say about C.J. Stroud as well. Yep. He's got a wide yep. base because he's always playing ready. Now, you know, yep. again, you you can have your, your feeling on, is it too wide? But whatever. But he's got a very wide base and, and there's very little movement that happens yep. when he throws the football.
0: Less movement. He's playing is, in a one-yard frame.
1: Right. Like, But less movement is always going to make you more accurate. Like, less movement of yep. body, period, to throw is going to make you more accurate. And so, you know, when you said that to me, I'm like, I get it. We've talked about it before, yeah. but if there's one comp that the first thing I see is CJ shot and, and he yeah. plays because everything happens in that six inches. He can do everything he needs to do in the six inches. Cause he always plays ready as accustomed right. to Drake may, who I was saying, is it ready enough? <laughs> like he's not yeah. playing ready and it, and it causes, you know, to play faster and it causes you to miss throws that you normally make. And so it was, it was fun to watch him and it's fun to use him because it's like, you say a rookie is a rookie. I think, you know, what it comes down to is a rookie's a rookie if they're doing rookie things. Like, if you're yeah. asking them to do things they've never done before, they're going to be a rookie. If you're yeah. asking them to do things that they've always done, now we start to see, oh, this is who he is. That's it's very not, true. You know, not whether he's a rookie or not. And so, and again, I keep bringing back my son because that's where I think his basis is. And so when I watch him, I go, like, this is what you can't, like, we, we can't just say, well, college kids are too young. They can't do this. I disagree. You know, I got an exhibit right here, you yeah. know, or rookies yeah. can't do this. Here's an exhibit right here. They can do it if they understand yeah. what they're doing. And we got to start there. And that's where, to me, it's so hard to evaluate these guys because I, I I can't see it. Or they don't give them the offense, right? Yep. Pure progression. I don't know how much you played in the pure progression. This is a whole different thing. It's going to take <laughs> another 30 minutes, guys. But- oh, I love it. <laughs> pure progression. I can't stand it. Yeah. Like I, I hate pure yep. progression plays because, you know, see if this guy's open and then go to this guy and what's the timing and how's open. And is he like, Shallow I can't cross. stand it. Yeah. But, but so many teams are running that stuff, which again, doesn't tell me anything about the quarterback. Right. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to read one and two at the same time. Like, okay. Is this defender Thank going deeper? Is this defender coming down? I've just sped up the whole process. If you got to look at one and then two, well, you're already slower than me. And so yep. teaching guys to see and understand that is, to me, what you have to do it has to become their normal. So now they're playing the game as fast as they need to play it at the NFL level. They're seeing it. They're tying their feet to their eyes because they're used to it and they understand that part of it. And so that was what was so much fun for me to watch with CJ because I didn't know he had it in him. And then to yeah. watch him, I'm like, gosh, I mean, I'm sending that tape to my son, you know. We got all these great quarterbacks in the league, and I'm sending the tape to see Jay Stroud going. Watch this guy. Watch the rookie yep. play because he's so good. This is what I want you to be because you know that's what he does. Is he makes those layups and he and he's accurate. He's on time, and I mean it's just it's just fun for me to watch. He, he's he's really good.
0: I love that. And back to the wide base part, like changing my perspective of it. I so I do agree with you even more now, so than I did prior. Thinking of like like CJ Stroud with a wide base is so good, be- but because he's so good mechanically with a wide base, right. some guys get wide out of like a, a bad habit and they don't tie their upper body to it. Yeah. Where CJ's wide base is an asset to how his upper body throwing motion is. Same with like Drew Brees, Drew Brees played with one of the widest bases I think I've ever yeah. seen for how short he was, but it was always tied mechanically and same with your son. I'm like, and when I said that comment, I think I said, it was like, I, I see him with a wide base, but like he doesn't miss throws Like Like, it works for him. So it wasn't even it's if you guys have not watched Kurt sun play EJ, um, his tape is really, really good. And that's, and he's going into his senior year, I believe
1: going into his junior year. So he got two years. So as his his
0: tape was from his sophomore year, which is even more impressive, but I think that might have to do with having a hall of fame quarterback, father probably doesn't hurt probably doesn't yeah hurt. your whole which is well, like it's just cool to see yeah
1: and, and again a big part of it is you know i taught him how to play that way yep from an early stage and so yep. that was important you know i've had so many people like over the last two days go what do you think of seven on seven seven on seven is killing the game and it's like and i'm like Dude, i love seven on seven like you know because good reps well because i don't think you can actually play quarterback until you probably get to at least a sophomore, if not a junior level in high school, because you don't have offensive, you you can't piece together concepts to teach, you know, it's like basically, Hey, we're going to call slant over here, throw the slant. Like, okay, that's not playing quarterback. You know, you're going to throw a go route. I want you to read things. I want you to see, and you can't do that because, you know, nobody's refined enough to do that. And so that to me was where seven on seven was so vital is like, now I can teach you concepts. I can teach yep. you to get your eyes on guys and read safeties and do things where you're not just running back and throwing it up or running for your life. <laughs> like I'm teaching yep. you how to play the game. Now I, you know, when we would play, I would, I would call sacks. I'm like, no, that's a sack. He's like, dad, I just, no, that's a sack. You you were too late. You're holding the ball. You're doing this, you know, five hitch thing. We don't yep. get to do that in football. So I would play it within the confines. You got to take a draft. You know, you got to play on time. You got to see it. But I think it's such a great and valuable tool, but those were the things yep. that we were playing when he was, you know, a little guy. And, and I would teach him like, this is what you're looking at. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to see. And so he got so good at that so early that now yep. that's become his normal. And so his normal, I'm is, sure
0: he's thanking you now.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm sure he is, you know, cause like yep. last year, you know, he's at Temple. He's at, he tra- transferred to Rice this year, but, you know they, you know they struggled with their offensive line. A lot of different pieces, little, you know. So they didn't have very good offensive line. He's thrown nine hundred passes in college. That he's been sacked sixteen times. With, it's you know, bad. from a from a from a graded <laughs> standpoint, an offensive yeah. line that you know w- was one of the worst in college football. Again, knows what he's seeing, knows who he's reading, knows how to get the ball out of his hand, plays ready. And so again, I just think that if everybody can have that basis, now okay. you've got this starting spot that gives you a chance, and now okay. it's. Now show me what else you can do. Now show me what you know. What other traits you have that other guys don't have? But there's too many guys that don't have that trait, and they're constantly swimming upstream, going, "Okay, what am I doing? Oh, it's going fast. Who you know is he open?" And and that all leads to you know these things that you know these guys are wildly inconsistent. And you know yeah. I see it every week in the NFL. And so you know it was important for me early on to go, "Okay, I'm. Gonna, if you want to play quarterback, I'm teaching you how to play this way. If you can run around crazy and be great, great." You know, if you can make Do crazy, that after the fact. crazy, no-look throws, great. But we are not going to worry about that. I'm going to make you a quarterback. I'm going to make you Andy Dalton first. And then yep. you can show me who else you can be beyond that.
0: I love that. I that My last point on this is that was my number one wish that I had when I was coming into the NFL. After year one, smacked me in the face. No footwork, timing, none of it. Like I didn't play that way. I was rogue in college. But I didn't have an upbringing that kind of, taught me the game i was the first from my family to go to college first to play college football first to be a quarterback i watched youtube videos of aaron Rodgers, matt stafford and jay cutler no lie to try to like learn how to play the position because those are the
1: wrong guys to watch first of all and and i and they're the wrong guys to watch because they're not great it's just because they're rare so you you and exactly you're like oh my gosh i'm not teaching off of those guys because because you can't do what they can do or most of it Exactly.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's where like I tell everyone if I could go back and I wish that I had someone to help me as a younger me to teach me how to play quarterback because the first person to really teach me how to play quarterback was Greg Knapp, my quarterback coach with the Falcons. He spent every waking moment that he had extra with me for 3 years with the Falcons because he believed that I could do it if I got to become an Andy Dalton. Yeah. Because he saw the upside that I had on the other side and rest in peace, he passed away a couple of years ago. He was I owe so much of like my five years of making it to him because I was raw, man. Like I did not know yeah. football. I didn't know how to play the position and he invested a lot of his time into me. But to that point I, I would take away arm talent, scramble ability, all that stuff to have had a foundation going into the NFL yeah. because I, I would not have been ready to play as a rookie. There's no way in hell.
1: I, I mean, I, and the crazy thing, I mean, your first thing you said was that I'm watching YouTube videos. I mean, that's the first thing that's a blessing is that, you know, even though you don't know who to watch or what, there's at least a million different things out there that you yep. can at least get your hands on to go, okay, and at least I got a head start or I can go find a quarterback. Yep. Like, I was never taught to throw a football ever. Like, I'm throwing yep. it in my front yard. And, and you know, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I teach now was just stuff I learned by being able to do it. Nobody really teaching me the yep. game. There's so much more access to it now. I mean, I created my own teaching website, you know, for that sole yep. purpose is I can't teach the masses. But if you really want the information, here it is. Now you got yeah. to go work on it. you got to go, you know, learn it and hone it. But here's the information. And so there's so many tools, you know, which again, always dumbfounds me when I give, you know, I, I'll go to the combine and cover the combine and I'll give my number out to whoever wants it there. And, you know, I tell them all, I'm like, here's my number. I know you're not going to use it, but here it is. So in case at some point, and, you know, they're like, oh, no, I'll call it. I'll, I'll use it. They never use it. You know, and it's <laughs> kind of the same thing that I'm I just used like, it. why like you know i want to help teach you the game i mean i want to invest in you i want to you know be able to give you a little bit of time and even if it's just little nuggets to help you and i'm always amazed at like why or you know why not go to and again i'm not saying i'm the but why not go to kirk warner over you know joe quarterback guru and and some of these gurus might be great but if you have access to it why would you not at least try and so yep. that's the other thing because when you say that is you would love for these guys to go, yes, I want that. You know, there's a lot of guys that want to be great, but don't want to be great. Like yeah. I want to be great and I want it to be easy to be great. I, you know, I don't yeah. want to have to invest and, and learn what I don't know and, and spend the time doing those things. But, you know, you just wonder, or, you know, and, and again, I don't know if you'll get another shot, how that will all play out, but I know you're probably sitting here going, gosh, if I'd have just done that when I was 19, yep. I feel like I had the ability to make it a, a, and have a long career in the NFL. And you just don't want these guys that have all this access now to go, gosh, why didn't I? Why didn't yep. I tap into that or call that number or look into this when I had the chance?
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I think there's more resources now. And we're gonna make sure to plug your website in the uh, description of this episode when it goes live. But I just think, You can tell by talking with you, like how much you just love the actual game of football and teaching it, which is so cool because I look at it from a very similar perspective. That's why I do so much on Madden because it's my outlet to like teach with a visual tool. Like I love it and I get rowdy, get excited, like we have fun and stuff, but I actually just love talking ball and teaching the game from my perspective and my perspective is not perfect. It's just the way that I see it, just like just the way you see it, so but yeah, I'm really, I'm really thankful you came on today.
1: Oh, you got it. And I think the other thing is, is I think I understand how to teach it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's another caveat is there's some guys that can do it, but can't teach it. I, I do believe, you know, cause that's one thing that, you know, you never want to be out there doing stuff and going, ah, you know, nobody can get what I'm trying to tell them that. Yeah. I think I have a, a an ability to teach it as well, which I think to me, these platforms, that's what's so beautiful is that if you can and you understand how to do it and you understand the nuances and the right questions to ask how valuable that can be and and that's Mm -hmm. where yeah i'm trying not to you know i always want to be realistic with myself but i think i have a unique way of being able to teach the game that i was able to play and so it makes it so somebody can actually grasp it and utilize it as opposed to oh gosh yeah he's saying a lot of really smart stuff but i have no idea how that you know how to connect. We that. see that
0: on we see that on TV often, and that that's what I will say is when you break it down. Yeah, like that's a, that's a common comment that I see is like, oh, thank. I've never seen it put that way. I haven't heard it this way before, and that's the sign of a good teacher. So, yep. I I appreciate the work you do, not just what you did in the league, but honestly, I appreciate what you do more now because I think it's this is what's going to change future generations of football, and for guys like me to have access to see like what is creating my own like baseline of how to play the position look like because. Again, when I was 15, 16, 17, it just didn't feel like people shared that information as sure. freely as you did. Yeah. So yeah. it's I mean, cool to see. I, yeah, I,
1: I mean, I, I tell a lot of kids I work with all the time is I remember going to college and they told me day one, drop cover four. And nobody had ever taught <laughs> me what a coverage was before. So I'm here yep. like, I'm an idiot. Like, what? I, don't, I don't even know what, I don't even know where to start yep. on the board. And you feel so small and chat, like, I don't have it. And now, I mean, you know, I just be like, oh my gosh, I could find... Eight yep. million YouTube videos on what cover four is. Like I have yep. this baseline. But then again, if I don't know how to use that for my benefit, oh, it's great that I know what cover four is, but how am I attacking it? We are, what what are the rules of cover four? How does it so um it is? It's you know, we're in a information generation, which is great. But for those mm-hmm. listening, make sure you delineate the information that you're listening to and really study the people that you're listening to, because there's a lot of stuff out there that you know, it may not be the stuff that you want to learn or the best stuff to help you, you know, take that next step. Amen.
2: That's awesome. Kurt, thank you so much. This is awesome.
0: You got it. Yes, it's a pleasure. Pleasure
1: being on. I, uh, I love the long form to be able to, to have some conversations. So I appreciate yeah. it.
0: Well, I know people are going to eat this up and we're thankful you taking the time to come out and do this. Um, I'm excited to see what happens this combine. I'm excited more so for it to be over. I'm excited for the draft <laughs> to be over and I'm really excited to watch like rookie mini camp and like like Real OTAs football. and some of that stuff come out because again I I'm gonna be very transparent I'm not a fan of the college game I think it's it's tough for me to watch um I know some people love it because like the school spirit I love that side of it but I love the x's and o's and the chess match of the NFL and that's why I'm an NFL fan on the back side of yeah. just being a player but that's another episode man yeah. we did it no it's doubt. done Um, We appreciate your time and everybody watching. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and we'll see you next episode.